I'm Mike Richmond in VA Research Communications, and welcome to our podcast series, Voices of VA Research. VA is very active in genomics, the study of genes and their impact on health. The agency now funds more than 100 studies on that topic. VA's most ambitious genomic initiative is the Million Veteran Program. Vets enrolled in MVP give blood samples to allow for analysis of their genes, and they give access to their medical records. Doing so helps scientists pinpoint the role genes play in diseases and health. More than 700,000 veterans are enrolled in the program. One area of genomic medicine that's still the topic of much debate is whether and how to return genetic results to research participants. How will that help them? Are there risks? Dr. Sarah Knight of the VA Salt Lake City Healthcare System is exploring those questions. She joins me now on Voices of VA Research. Dr. Knight, thank you for appearing on Voices of VA Research. I know you're leading a study that aims to find out if vets want their genetic results returned, why they'd want them returned, and what details they'd want to see. I'm Mike Richman in VA Research Communications, and welcome to our podcast series, Voices of VA Research. VA is very active in genomics, the study of genes and their impact on health. The agency now funds more than 100 studies on that topic. VA's most ambitious genomic initiative is the Million Veteran Program. Vets enrolled in MVP give blood samples to allow for analysis of their genes, and they give access to their medical records. Doing so helps scientists pinpoint the role genes play in diseases and health. More than 700,000 veterans are enrolled in the program. One area of genomic medicine that's still the topic of much debate is whether and how to return genetic results to research participants. How will that help them? Are there risks? Dr. Sarah Knight of the VA Salt Lake City Healthcare System is exploring those questions. She joins me now on Voices of VA Research. Dr. Knight, thank you for appearing on Voices of VA Research. I know you're leading a study that aims to find out if vets want their genetic results returned, why they'd want them returned, and what details they'd want to see and under what circumstances. So happy to have you here. I'm really glad to be here too. Thank you for coming on the show. So let me open with a two-part question. What do you expect to learn from your study And what do you think veterans will say about having the option to see their genomic results? Um, Mike, those are great questions. So what we hope to learn from the study includes a number of different things, but important learnings from the study include understanding the kinds of results from genome sequencing that veterans are interested in receiving. And we also want to learn the kinds of health services that would help veterans understand what the results mean and how to use the results to improve their health. So those are the main things that we hope to learn. So currently the Million Veteran Program does not return genetic results to enrollees but you believe there's an urgent need to know what veterans want. Why do you think that way? So 
several reasons. One is that in other groups I studied, there's a very high interest in getting the results back from genetic testing. And other studies looking at genome sequencing in samples that are not veteran samples, but general uh, population samples, suggests that there is great interest in receiving results from whole genome sequencing and other genome sequencing. So there's interest in other groups, and we think that veterans also may be interested. But in addition, even though the Million Veterans Program, which is doing research, is not currently returning results, they may want to do so in the future. And, uh, but beyond research, in clinical settings like oncology, cardiology, neurology, we're starting to see more use of whole genome sequencing. So not just a single genetic test that tells you if you have a risk of cancer, but a look at the entire genome of a person that may tell you about cancer risks, but also about other things. And so we're starting to see clinical applications in a variety of different areas that are emerging very rapidly. And so that's, that's the urgency. Well, regarding what you're saying about the, uh, the non-VA population and the interest there in, uh, in seeing results uh, returned, do you know what that population is basing its, its uh, opinions on in terms of wanting to see those results? Well, uh, that's an interesting question. So in other populations, studies have uh, generally used select samples. So samples of patients, samples of people who are in medical clinics, or samples of people who are in other research studies. And so these select samples may not tell you about what a whole population might want because they are selected. They may represent, for example, people who are highly interested in genetic and genomic results. And so people have studied these questions in those types of samples. A few samples are more generalizable. For example, there are some European studies, other studies in the U.S. that are more generalizable to the general population in the U.S. But these populations may not necessarily represent the mixture of people in who get their care in the VA and who are veterans. And so that's one reason to do a study that focuses on veterans. And veterans have different perspectives, but they also represent different mixture of people than in the general population. So what, what is true in the non-VA population, the civilian population, may not correlate to what is the case in the veteran population. That's essentially what, what you're saying, which does make sense. There are many different interests in the veteran population. So now I understand that the return of non-genomic research results to study participants is, is nothing new. In fact, researchers often ask participants if they want to receive the results, but the return of individual genomic results triggers a whole different set of concerns. I was wondering if you could elaborate on those. Yes, and I'd also like to mention a few concerns that may be unique to veterans cared for in the VA as well. Mm-hmm. But for whole genome sequencing or other sequencing that looks at a large part of the genome, if we do it for clinical purposes, it may allow the 
clinicians to look at a range of genes that may influence a disease. So some diseases are influenced by multiple genes, not just a few. In addition, although we can, for example, give a group a panel of genes that we know is associated with that disease that we think they have, sometimes we may miss the particular genes that influence that person's disease. So people are individual. So we may get some of the genes, but we may miss others. And so with whole genome sequencing and other broader genome approaches, we will sample a larger range of genes all at once and can investigate. Maybe this looks like it is hereditary colon cancer, and we've looked at a few of those genes, but maybe we realize that a few other genes associated with hereditary cancer also look like they are changed. And so this person might have hereditary colon cancer that's influenced by genes, but they're different than the genes that influence colon cancer for most other people. So there's a need to understand specific genes sometimes that are influencing the disease in a specific person. But other, other findings can occur when we're doing that investigation of the genome. Let's say we're mainly investigating a genome for cancer, but we also discover that this person has another gene that influences their responsiveness to medication used to help with cardiovascular disease. So the question is then, even though you're looking at cancer, you find out that there is another gene that may be of interest to them, but it has to do with cardiovascular disease. So then you get into understanding, do they want to hear about these other types of findings that may be found at the same time as identifying their particular type of cancer? Would the answer in that case most, most likely be yes? Would they want to know about other possible diseases that they have? That's a very interesting question because sometimes they may want to know, but other times they may not. So let's say they have, they're being tested for cancer. Another change in a gene is found that indicates they might have another disease. So let's say it's a, neuro, a neurological disease where we have no treatment for that disease right now. So that means you'd be telling them that they have not only cancer but another disease, and that disease has no treatment. And so they may not want to know about that other disease. That sounds like a major obstacle that uh, could pop up at some point in this whole process. Just, a, just another challenge. Yes, that's very much the case. And so that's why understanding what people want in terms of getting results back. There's some people who may want any results, even if it's a, a disease that where we don't have a medical treatment. They might think, well, I can at least plan my life. But other people might find it too anxiety arousing to know that they have another a risk for another condition. They don't have it now, but the risk is very high that they will get it, and uh, they would worry about that. And that would be very uncomfortable and psychologically distressing to them, so they may not want to know. Understanding what people want and what they feel that they want to live with is really important. Oh, absolutely. Now, regarding your own study, you're in the process of recruiting veterans with a goal of enrolling about 4,000, and you're currently holding focus groups at VA facilities to get a handle on, on framing the questions in a survey that will be, will be distributed to the enrollees. 
What types of questions are you asking veterans in the focus groups? Well, we're, we're asking them what they think about the risks and the benefits of genome sequencing. So in the focus groups, we provide them with education on what genome sequencing involves. And then we ask them to think through, well, what are the possible benefits for you? What would you think are the possible harms that could come to you from knowing? Like I mentioned, worry would be a possible harm. So we ask them questions like that. We also ask them about how they would feel about certain types of results, like results where there's no medical treatment, but where it would indicate that they have a risk for that disease. There are also other types of scenarios that we might ask about, like we find that a gene has changed, but right now medical research can't tell us or them what that change means. So do we tell them about that type of result and would they want to know? And in fact, in that situation, some people might say, I may not want to know now, but I want to be recontacted in the future once you know. So we are asking them questions like that to know which of these different characteristics of getting results back are important to them. And then who do they want to talk to about their results? Who do they think is going to be the best person or group of people that will be able to help them understand how to use this information to improve their health. Who, who would they f- most feel comfortable talking to about this issue? That's exactly right. How many of these surveys do you think will be completed, and will that be enough to reach a conclusion about veteran preferences on genetic results that reflect the opinions of the veteran community? Well, we're going to interview in the focus groups about 100 people, maybe as many as 120. So that's a a pretty small and very select group of people in the focus groups, and that's why we're doing the larger survey. So the larger survey will give us, even with a 40% uh, return rate of the surveys, we should be able to then say that we have sampled veterans in the VA who are cared for in the VA at a level of, that would give us some confidence saying, a high level of confidence in saying that these re- results represent what veterans think more broadly. So that's what we really want to be able to say to VA policy leaders to be able to present the results that are accurate in representing the views of veterans. I'm glad you mentioned the VA policy leaders because I definitely want to ask you, do you think this could possibly, your work, your study could possibly lead to policy changes within VA? Yes, and that's one big reason why we're doing the study. We may find, for example, that we need to restructure our clinical services so that they best serve veterans in this area. And so one part of the study is taking our results and going back to Washington, D.C., and meeting with people in the central office of the VA. And these are people who lead the VA clinical genomic services, but we will talk with other people, including the heads of specialty care services, primary care, and laboratory about the results to help them understand and think about what these results may mean to them. So, for example, if we find that there's an extremely high interest among veterans in these results, and in one of my previous studies, not looking at veterans, looking at the U.S. general population, we found that 
if the conditions were right, almost 97% would want genetic testing for a hereditary cancer. Now, that's different from whole genome sequencing, but it indicated a very high potential uptake level if you had the right circumstances. So laboratory might want to know about that because that might mean a great increase in their demand for um, their laboratory tests if there is such great interest in veterans. Also, if we find out that veterans really want to talk with their specialty care doctors in oncology or, or neurology, that might also mean a high demand in those areas or for primary care. So we don't know really what veterans want and how they'd like to have the services structured around that. And so we may change services and policies based on these findings. And it certainly gives the Department of Veterans Affairs an advanced view of how they can design veteran-centric genomic medicine service. All very fascinating, Dr. Knight, and uh, you've definitely piqued my curiosity about this. Uh, I mean, I want to know what veterans would like to see in this case. And I'm sure you've heard that from, from many other people, your peers and other researchers, maybe even some policymakers. You know, what, they're very interested in, in this as well and, and seeing the results from your study. Yes, no, we're, I, thank you, Mike. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited, too, to learn more about what veterans want. You know, veterans cared for in the VA are in unique positions, and, and also uh, genomics is a family event also uh, often, so results may have implications for other family members. And while the veteran may be cared for in the VA, their families, family members may not, and so be cared for in the VA. So these results will help beyond the VA and help the VA think through these other complex communications that may occur because of the veteran learning about their own genomes. Well, I want to thank you very much for appearing on the show, Dr. Knight, and, and good luck with your research. Uh, it stands to benefit uh, veterans and others. So thank you again for coming on the show. Mike, thanks so much. Thanks to Dr. Knight for sharing her insight on an intriguing topic, the return of individual genetic results to veterans. We look forward to seeing the findings from her study, which should be available in 2021. And thank you for listening to Voices of VA Research. Hope you enjoyed it, and please tune in again. I'm Mike Richmond. To learn more about VA Research, go to research.va.gov. That's research.va.gov. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter.